0: Welcome to Pressure Profiles, a show born out of the need for representation and community in the hospitality industry. In these three episodes, I talk to Sierra Yeo, coffee specialist, freelancer, and founder of the Core Directive. Unlike previous episodes, Sierra is not situated in Berlin, but in London. Combined, we talk for almost two hours and discuss topics like visas, cultural differences, Asian family expectations, social media pressure, and much, much more. A trigger warning is warranted for discussions regarding suicide. This conversation was recorded in April 2021 and is divided into three parts. You are now listening to part two. Do you have any insight in the hospitality industry in Singapore? Like, what does that look like compared to to working in it in London, for example?
1: Oof. Um... It's interesting because we don't have an official national minimum wage in Singapore. So we have the, we have the market rate and that's kind of like informal, mm-hmm. like the ass around and everybody kind of knows what everyone's being paid minimally. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously different and people can take the piss, I guess, with underpaying. Yeah. Um, so I find that personally quite problematic, but I have heard very plausible arguments as to why we can't implement it, just because we do have a lot of um, labor from overseas, like people who come in and work, and you know, as, as migrants. And I don't know what the minimum wage looks like for them, and if there is one. Um, so yeah, it would definitely upset the economy of the country a little bit. And like, I I don't know enough economics about that, or to have a comment on that. But um, mm. in terms of hospitality, it was very. Like it was amazing. It was nothing short of amazing to go back and be like, "Holy crap! Like we're doing some amazing things in Singapore when it comes yeah. to coffee." Uh, Singapore already has quite a globalized uh, restaurant scene, so a lot of different global chains, you know, have flagship stores in Singapore. So honestly, the food is ah uh, insane. I miss it. I'm like, yeah, about, <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. like in terms of coffee, uh the competition scene is very strong in Singapore. Um, the, the cafe scene takes a lot of influence from like the Antipodes and from uh, Korea primarily now actually as well. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of beautiful minimalist cafes that I go to all the time. Um, and the standard of coffee is mental, just mental. I'm like, wow, like some, some of the stuff that I've seen would rival, you know, rival stuff in London would rival stuff, uh, you know, in, in Australia or Korea. So, yeah. And I think there was also a very strong emphasis on um, Asian coffees as well, East Asian and Southeast Asian coffees, which I really nice. enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You know, just from like, just from like a shipping and transport perspective, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Like I get to enjoy yeah. all the stuff that I would have to either pay a premium for here or just don't really see around. So,
0: yeah, I think uh, we... As well, in Sweden, we don't have a a minimum wage actually mm. however, I think the the agreed upon standard minimum wage is like it's quite good, oh that's good so you still you still earn better in Sweden for sure, but what I do a lot now i I mean I compare it to wherever I lived, so I lived in in melbourne and i lived in berlin and i lived in sweden and i mean to be honest they're all they're all pretty wealthy countries but Mm. i think the the difference is that in melbourne and in sweden it's more expensive but they also have better pay yeah like like you can look at working in coffee as a proper career
1: yeah In Australia
0: and in Sweden, especially Australia, I guess. But in Sweden, too, if you work within hospitality, you can do that for the rest of your life. And you, yeah, it's not going to be the best pay, but it's still good enough.
1: That's a comfortable pay. Yeah.
0: And you can definitely, like, retire levels because we also have, because we don't have a minimum wage, we have sort of like a step ladder for if you are this old you should have a higher pay if you have worked in the industry for more than six years you should have a higher pay and you can like place yourself on these ladders and companies either have to agree with it or not so I have like told people no at the end of living in Sweden I was like nah you're not paying me enough (laughs) I am actually better than that I'm sorry (laughs)
1: but don't be sorry like Like
0: I've worked in the industry since I was a teenager. Why should I pay? Why should I work for the same amount of pay that you would pay a teenager?
1: Oh God, I like I I don't think we have that in London, which explains a lot of the I mean flat out exploitation going on. What really pisses me off is I've heard some, you know, alleged horror stories of companies, you know, taking taking the piss with COVID, you know, and and the fact that people are desperate for jobs, uh, you know, as a reason to pay less. Which I, it's honestly just abhorrent behavior. But yeah, like, yeah. yeah. For sure. Like, I
0: looked around a little bit on pay uh, discrepancies between, like, the UK and Germany. And Germany, in Germany, is a little bit different. Like, in Berlin, it's like there is where you find the lowest wages. I've heard. Apparently, the rest of Germany, you find better wages. But Berlin is really exploitative. And it's. Oh, no you know it's you get so many reasons why you should have a low wage it's like oh but we are you know we're teaching you things
2: or That's awful but you're but you're no. earning tips as
0: well so no. you, need to, you need to put tips into the account and I'm like I'm not working for tips because no. you can't you can never guarantee that I will have that much tips in the first place but also it's not a part of it's not a part of my pay. Like no. you shouldn't say, "Hey, our customers are obliged to give you some of your pay as well." It's not. That's not how it works. I wish there wasn't tips. I actually wish we could just eradicate tips and give everyone a good wage to start with.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of amazing counter arguments, you know, against tips um, from from people in the states. But I again, I don't agree with it either. Like it's not really a thing. Uh, it's not really a thing here. Uh, not in the same way that it's a social expectation. For example, if you're in the states, um, you know, yeah. it needs to be a certain component of your, um, you know, your, your bill and stuff. But um, yeah, it's not. It's it's not really as popular. There are places I've worked in where like people have taken, the, like again, taken the piss and just been like, oh yeah, that's part of your wage. I'm like, no. Or worse, I've worked in a place once where like the boss would just pocket the tips, and then he would just yeah. arrange at the end of a at the end of like every quarter, he'd be like, let's go out for drinks, and I'm like, dude. No, like you're taking our tips from us. Like you're essentially stealing from us. Like that's not on. The thing, there's a curious thing about like going back to Singapore, which I find horrible and fascinating at the same time, which is work culture. Mm. And I didn't realize this until I went back. Or like maybe I did, and maybe that's why I escaped Singapore. <laughs> 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 um, Singapore is very bad for not allowing people to maintain a good work-life balance um a lot of it is tied to the whole like productivity myth and again that's I think that's deeply cultural as well you know it's very culturally entrenched where it's like you need to be producing for the country you need to be you know measured in units essentially and and you need to be Mm -hmm. constantly at work constantly proving that you're doing a good job and and things like that so from you know I inherited that I inherited that from like my mom and was like screw this so I left (laughs) um but then I saw a lot of my friends uh you know even when they were doing university at the same time I was I was like why are you so much more stressed than I am and then it got to the point where they were like going into their new jobs and they were doing you know unpaid internships or like low paid internships and they would still be in the office at 11 p.m and I'd be like you're kidding right like what? And then, you know, when I went back this time, I remember overhearing, like, a conversation about, like, a a company emailing someone in the West, so, like, in in the UK or in the US, and um, there is a a slightly derogatory term for foreigners in Singapore called ang mo, which means, like, red-haired or, like, ginger, Mm -hmm. because all Mm -hmm. Caucasians (laughs) apparently used to be ginger in Singapore or something like that. Um, (laughs) It's very similar to, like, uh, gringo in Spanish or like Guaylo in Cantonese and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Guaylo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. So then that so I then, have been that my whole life. <laughs> oh god, no, uh, no, that is a whole different. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about. This. Um, but that's the thing. So then, like, um, I, I basically overheard this comment being like, oh, like don't bother, like expecting a reply. Like they work to, you know, the people in the West work to Ang hours, and I was like, what? Like a nine to five? Like a normal ass person? like you mean they don't work past like 9 p.m.? Like yeah. Yeah, you know. Like I think that's I think that's a good thing. So stuff like that and then I've are actually I, trying to get it down to 6 hours yeah. every day. <laughs> trying to get it down to like a 4-day work week, okay guys? Like don't <laughs> you don't get awards for being productive. Um it's it's so funny and you know that and and like I've to, to link this to hospitality. I've had friends who've like opened cafes whatever, and are still answering messages at 11 PM or like working 14 day streaks. And, and it's, it's, it's so complex because it's tied into, you know, how much your, your, your minimum wages, how much, you know, as a business owner, are you allowed to like salary yourself? And, you know, it's so complex, but I just find yeah. it's, it's very damaging when we're not able to talk about it productively as well. And it's kind of like the norm, you just you answer emails on a Sunday you answer messages on a Sunday <laughs> I'm like don't don't do that like you can afford to wait till Monday like it's fine yeah yeah that that was the thing I found very fascinating uh when I went back
0: do you think it's this is like an Asian
1: culture thing a hundred percent a hundred percent um even today like my mom will still occasionally ask me oh like what is it that you do like why are you so free all the time and I'm like I'm not free. I'm like, A I'm working from home. B like I pay my bills, mom. And C, like it it, flexible working is maybe a bit more prevalent here in the West. And again, I could be really like overgeneralizing. But especially after COVID and like the whole working from home thing, like companies are beginning to realize that hey, this is a viable way to structure our business when we go back to normal life. So you know and and i i personally work better when i'm not being micromanaged That's just a that's that's just a thing i don't know if you could tell but, yes. <laughs> um yeah so then i i really enjoy you know having the freedom to decide my working hours to be able to be more productive one day and and you know like be able to do so much work and to be able to like cut myself a little bit more slack some other days so yeah but I just don't even think we're we're at that point in the discourse yet with Singapore, which really saddens me because I know so many friends who like deserve a motherfucking break. <laughs> like, take a break. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's something that I don't, I don't have to deal with that so much. But like my partner, he has, I think he's heard this for so many years. Yeah. Like, you know, like, when are you going to get a proper job? Or like, oh, no, COVID is happening. Are you gonna then start working at a real job? Are you gonna like go back to your real career and all of these things? And it's like, ah. I I I can see what they're saying and I understand why they are saying it because they moved from one country to a better country where they have where they wanted to give better opportunities for <laughs> for their kids. But yeah. personally, I don't like have a very. I don't see my. Family that much, and I don't talk to them that much. And my, especially my Chinese side of the family, I don't talk to very often. So I only have this interaction whenever I go home to my hometown and I see my uncle. And he always had the same questions like, okay, so are you married yet?
2: Oh, all the
0: time. Are you gonna have a baby then? Do you have a real job now? And <laughs> it's like, are you earning money? Are you earning money? And it's like, mm. <laughs>
2: I'm working on it.
0: Uh, I mean, it was almost like all my family got super bummed that I went to university because I didn't start making money. And I was like, maybe I will make money after this. (laughs) And and now I'm not.
1: It's so it's fascinating because, you know, I've also heard several, several discussions about how much harder it is, you know, because of inflation because of like depreciation of money and, and all that kind of stuff that like we, we are not able to afford the same staples that our parents were at our age today so then that however is mistakenly you know blamed on oh you don't have real jobs or oh like you don't have kids I'm like, of course I don't have kids if I can't even support my own ass like <laughs> I'm gonna- I'm gonna give birth to another one. Um, this I hope it's not ah. a good idea. No, yeah, I'm like that's not a sound economic decision. Oh No, 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 just get a rich husband. I can't. <laughs> like, I'm like that's hard. That you're hard pressed to find them these days. Um, my rich husband works in coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that I don't even believe you. Yeah, um, no, he's not rich, oh, boy. <laughs> and he's uh, not my husband. So you know.
1: No, 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 that's not happening. But yet. he
0: does work in coffee. So. <laughs> I just, so we have no money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I. Oh God, I feel that. um But I just, yeah, I found all of those questions really irrelevant. I do find them very hard to answer when they come from my grandmother, and that's just because I love mm. her bits, and I'm just always a bit like, you know, and you know, in addition to all of those things, she'll be like, "So when are you like, when are you moving back here? Like, when are you moving back home?" And I'm like. Yeah. Oh, grandma, don't ask me that. Like it breaks my heart when you ask me that, yes. you know? Um and I remember actually having to tell her one time and just being like, grandma. And I think also part of this is like a language barrier as well, like so Chinese is my second language. Uh, Mandarin Chinese is my second language and I ha- mm-hmm. I am however not as fluent in it as my mom is because Chinese is her first language. So like I do I do still I do still speak to them in in Mandarin, but like the deeper like nuances of thought and conversation that I would otherwise be able to have in English I'm not able to express myself as eloquently in Mandarin. so yeah when I speak to my grandma I just remember having to like sit her down one time and be like grandma in as broken Mandarin as possible I was like gran like I I moved here because like I wanted a different life and I've got mm-hmm. dreams I want to chase and like I hope you understand that like I, you know I'm probably not going to get back together with my husband I really enjoy the life I have now I like I'm making enough money to support myself I have a nice place blah 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 like you don't have to worry about me and that was the first time she like shut up bless her I was like grandma oh my gosh I got through um and she stopped asking me after that which I thought was like progress just because I know how heartbreaking it can be when when you're not fulfilling your family's like ideas and dreams for you and it's like oh no yeah. but I'm still doing pretty okay like yeah you know so like we're doing what what works right yeah you know like and even if I never own a house in this lifetime who needs a house anyway houses smoushes, like <laughs> houses
0: sit where they are right you can't move them around and if you want to yeah. move around how are you going to get a house
1: like- yeah and I still have you know like I want to travel I want to see the world I have so many experiences that Will not involve having a house at the moment, like which I'm I'm perfectly happy with, and it and I think also actually the the other interesting thing is I've chatted with a couple friends about this recently where it's like I feel like our our parents and the generations before us are trying to juxtapose a different structure of working onto a generation that you know the structure no longer fits so for example. They're like, oh, when are you going to get a real job? Like, when are you going to get a promotion? When are you getting a raise? Like, and all of that pertains to like a career ladder. And in coffee, this looks like, oh, you start in front of house somewhere. And then you work your way behind the bar. And then you learn how to steam milk. You become a barista. And then the senior barista. And then the cafe manager. And then if you're lucky, you work yourself into a roastery. And then maybe you're doing like QC one day and blah, blah. And like, that doesn't exist. I don't know a single person who has found this mythical coffee career ladder and climbed it and lived to tell the tale. Like, so many people who are in the positions that they are today that I know of didn't do that.
0: Um, I mean, it doesn't take that route, right? It's no. like, it can, it can go what, whichever way. It's just, I feel like sometimes it's just a matter of luck who you end up meeting and Your who you end up talking to. Yeah. Yes, a lot of the time connections, which is a good and a bad thing if you're like introverted <laughs> and really sometimes just want to close yourself in and just sit in your room and be like I can't meet new, t- new people today like no
1: yeah but also like if you're a woman and you're from a marginalized community if you're BIPOC like yeah you know if you're trans and you're disabled like so many of those conversations and networking opportunities do not have you in mind yeah for sure which is a very unfair but yeah, like with the whole like career ladder thing, I'm like, no, my, my career has never looked like that. And, th- you know, those conditions, like the working hours, the the periodic raises, like they don't yeah. apply to me as much anymore. And I think a lot of it stems from worry. Like I'm sure that our parents and our grandparents are worried that
0: yes. you know,
1: we're not being <laughs> able to like feed ourselves. Um, but no, that's not the case anymore.
0: I've come this far and I'm still alive. It's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm still breathing. I'm still. I still work in the same field as you
2: are. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> like my, my my
0: uncle answer. is. My uncle owns a Chinese restaurant, so you know, like that's when I started working in hospitality mm. in his restaurant. So I haven't made that big of a step, but he still manages, and I I also manage.
1: I think it's also like speaking their language a little bit so for example the way i've mollified my mom bless her um is because she was always like when are you gonna find a real job and when are you gonna use your degree so those are the two conditions right yeah yeah um so then when i started writing for publications and coffee i was like aha this is it this is the perfect like piece of proof so then you know i yeah. sent her my very first publication and i was like here you go stop bothering me um and, <laughs> and since then she's been you know she she enjoys reading my my articles on coffee she enjoys like the stuff that I do and I just don't I just don't tell her that it's like it's actually like my side gig like I do it on the side when I have time I do have a real job but for her that is like enough proof to be like oh she's using her linguistics this is okay
0: yeah <laughs> like, she's out there she's published it's all yeah. good. <laughs> yeah oh, something that she can show people as well and yeah, be like, like tangible proof exactly just doing things
1: <laughs> god bless her um uh, my uncle's the same as all like they both they both are always on that train and i'm like okay i'm gonna send you some magazines that i've written and now just shush um but yeah I love.
2: Yeah.
0: Much. oh yeah i can do that too i'll send home some magazines we have this uh actually i'm gonna i'm gonna slightly plug uh coffee zine that is Oh, openly. Be released in Berlin. Yes, It's not mine, so it's <laughs> it doesn't feel so bad. But there's a coffee scene that is there's two three people who are starting a coffee scene in Berlin and it's called We Bean Scene.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I think I've seen it around actually on Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's a, a co worker of mine. I don't know how to explain this. So it's a co worker of mine and her other two co workers. Yeah. So she works part-time at the cafe I work at, and oh. she works part-time at another cafe that is called She Said Cafe, and it's, like, really cool, it's... And me and my partner are gonna... You have to excuse my English sometimes, because, like, <laughs> this brain is, like, stuffed with so many different things.
1: Dude, don't um, even worry. Like, that, you both submit stuff for the...
0: So we submitted a piece together. Oh, very nice. Uh, for for a bike coffee ride.
1: Okay, is it like a charity event?
0: No. So it's more like uh, we created a, a route, right. with different coffee coffee places on the way, and we tried to accentuate like coffee places that are not like the big coffee places in Maryland. Oh, I love I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we did that all of all of last year when we were quarantining. It was sort of like we were all we haven't had any like proper lockdowns. We haven't had any curfews. So we were always allowed to go outside if it was under the pretense of working out basically, like yeah. getting your daily jog in or whatever. Oh yeah. And so we did all of these like really long bike rides last year. We did like a three different like 70 kilometer ones and we just biked all around berlin like as far we as far as we had the time to go and 70 kilometers that was literally from like morning time to night time and i was always like we can't make them longer oh
2: my god <laughs> and he
0: was like what do you think about 80 kilometers we can oh do it right and i was like no no we can't do that we don't want to just bike all day we just <laughs>
1: we want to also like see things Dude, when like things open up, you should make this like a yearly event, just like the the mega bike ride of, like you need to make this happen.
2: (laughs) Honestly, no, no, it's not possible. It is
0: like we we are planning to do like a little mini series of smaller bike rides, and then we created a QR code for it so people can actually just download the map and go for themselves.
1: Amazing! Can I purchase the zine? From in the UK. I'll send you one. I'll send you one.
2: Yay! Thank you. For sure,
1: we'll do, we can and... do a little trade every now and again. It can be pen friends.
2: Yes. Yeah. I was also. Yes.
1: <laughs> I had a thought, and I forgot. Oh, and I was gonna say that like Berlin is probably like number one on my list to visit when lockdown ends, just because I've got so many. It's like the. It's like the spirit home that never that never happened because I have so many loved ones living in berlin but how come like what happened (laughs) how do you know so many people oh my god so like so i i often go to berlin for tattoos anyway and i remember when i first visited Mm -hmm. i was like oh i hate this place i was like oh i don't i don't speak the language and like everything's like grungy and this is just not my vibe and also i went in like the middle of winter which probably didn't help either um, but then I went in summer the next year and I was like, oh, my God, the vibe is completely different. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, Berlin is, I think also part of it was like insecurity because Berlin felt way too cool for me. I was like, not, yeah. um, I'm not a cool kid. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, like there's so much underground stuff going on. It's so That's cool. That's it. Like um, Berlin's Europe's cool kid. That's exactly. It. It's like the, I- <laughs> the cool alternative kid. And I was just like, I'm just some nerd. Like Berlin will never accept me. Um, That's exactly then, what I felt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone then. Um, no, but then, I mean I've never been to
0: Bergheim. What the? F- <laughs> I,
1: I haven't, but I have been asked for directions to Bergheim, and I was like, I'm not cool enough to know where this is. So don't. <laughs> yeah, don't, I don't ask know. me. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's funny because so um, a lot of friends started moving. This was after this is after Brexit, and I'm not surprised that this happened after Brexit. But a lot of friends from London like started to move to Berlin then um gradually that pool kind of grew and grew like so now my my gay best friend lives there <laughs> like um a lot of coffee people live there um and i was just like i need to visit and also maybe get a tattoo there again yeah. when i go just to celebrate like you know so yeah for sure now that i know that you're there i'm like i'm going to i'm going to hit you guys
2: up it's
0: going to be Yeah amazing. we're right here right in the middle <laughs>
1: Yeah, so maybe when, like, my visa runs out, if, if I don't get, like, citizenship here, I'm just going to move to Berlin because I'm like, screw it. Maybe I'll be cool enough by then.
0: Did Brexit do anything to make it harder for you to get a visa or how has it been?
1: Like, no. Brexit
0: didn't really interfere with that.
1: No, Brexit didn't. I mean, we were already not part of the, um, what is that term? Schengen? Yes, mm-hmm. we're not part of the Schengen Territories anyway. Um, Singapore is just all the way on the other side of the world. But also, annoyingly, we don't have kind of like a like special Commonwealth dispensation, even though we're part of the Commonwealth, and even though we used to be a colonized community, uh, blah, 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 colonized territory. Um, so I found that very interesting. So Singapore is basically, basically has a strong enough passport that the British government will not give any sort of special dispensation dispensation oh. um yeah and i've had a lot of friends who who are not allowed to have dual citizenship because the singaporean passport is so strong so they can only choose between that and the british passport
0: oh that's
2: really good
1: yeah so i've just been like ah, no um but yeah brexit didn't affect us um it's just as hard or as easy i guess if you want to think about it that way um, as it was for us yeah. to remain in the country as it was pre-brexit so
0: And how long until you can get your citizenship?
1: Uh, This is the annoying bit. So you have to, so when I was on the partner visa, so basically the the term is called indefinite leave to remain. And it's kind of like the equivalent of the American green card where Mm. you have to fulfill a term of like five years under the same visa with no hiccups. Like, you know, you're completely clean. You don't get arrested for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I had already been in the UK for university for three years, but they didn't count those three years. So all in all, I've been in the country for seven to eight years now, but they only counted. They only started counting from when I had my partner visa, um, and I didn't fulfill that. So basically, I'm starting from yeah. scratch, and I have to be in the oh UK for God. the yeah. I have to be in the UK for the next five years consecutively um, under the same yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. These are struggles. These
0: are
1: struggles.
0: They're they're a whole <laughs> whole subject in itself.
1: Oh man. Yeah. It's weird because the world is so connected. It's so connected. It really shouldn't be this difficult to live somewhere you want to live and work somewhere you want to work. You know, but again, that's very it's a very simplistic, I think socialist point of thinking, and I'm like, I'm happy to hear Differing opinions as to why that's not possible, but like it's yeah, it's just kind of sad when like the ordinary lives of people are ruined. I guess
0: it feels a lot like guarding your your territories, and you know when you have partners in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, it's really stressful. Tell me about it. I think if we if it was easy, we would move back to Australia at some point.
1: But Are it's you not easy for, and you there for two years? Like the, the
0: I was only there for one year. Gotcha. Because I didn't do the farming, I wasn't allowed to stay a second year. And I really didn't want to do the farming because I I actually felt like I had found the thing that I wanted to do and I found the place I wanted to work and the people I wanted to be around, so I was like I'll do my one year and then yeah, it's it's a shame that I have to leave, but I'll have to leave. <laughs> And yeah. then I left, and I really have missed Melbourne ever since. And I feel like it's the only place I've felt... Maybe it's similar to what you feel in the UK. But, I mean, for me, as a as a Swedish person with Asian background, it's like, I have always been the odd one out. I have always been singled out as the Asian and it's not even like the chinese it's like basically the asian because there are so few it was just like a handful of us growing up in this whole city that i lived in and of course also because my my uncle owns a restaurant that has been there forever it's like everyone knows who i am and i'm like everyone knows who i am but i don't know who they are yeah. and they would co- even come up to me and like talk to me about my family and my my private stuff, and because I worked also in hospitality, it was like, I was always readily available, and I worked in the clubs, so people would just randomly talk to me about my life, and I was like, this is not for me, and, like, I I have no part of this drama whatsoever, (laughs) like, leave me alone. Oh, God. And in Melbourne, I felt, like, it was the first time in my life where I wasn't being singled out for any reason, because Melbourne is very... It's super multicultural, especially there's a lot of Asian immigrants in mm. Melbourne, mm. and it felt so nice to not be pointed out as the Asian anymore, you know. And I felt like I finally like saw people around me that looked
1: like me. Oh man, I like yeah, I get that, I get that really deeply. Yeah, I and mean, like there's a lot of there's a lot of Singaporean people as well. Like a lot of Singaporeans go to uh, Australia for university just because it's you know close by. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely, I I think it's a third culture child thing. I, I think it's, it's, it's being an immigrant today. It's just part of the immigrant experience. And I'm not saying that it's excusable as such. I'm just saying that it's often the thing that we have to brace ourselves for, you know, like either being singled out where we used to be or being singled out where we are now. And I feel like you're very lucky that you felt you know, and it's very good for you that you felt that you were not standing out for the first time in your life. Like that's super positive, and that's
0: and, and that's how and that's how it should be. Yeah, and I guess that's how we ended up here. Like, I found this podcast, and I found for the first time I found a podcast that was like one of the hosts was Swedish, uh, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Her background was Swedish and
1: Hong Kong. Hong Kongese? How do you? (laughs) I all of my my Hong Kong friends call themselves Hong Kongese, but I'm like that's such a like clunky term. Like
0: (laughs) it is. It's not. It doesn't work well. Not very flattering.
2: Yeah.
0: She grew up in Sweden, so she's like like me. She has a Hong Kong background, and she lives in Sweden, and she feels always singled out. And I was like listening to this podcast. I was like, shit! I had no idea. I had no idea that this was so important to have. Yeah, because I've never had it yeah and then you said something on your channel that you were thinking about starting a podcast and I'm like hey this is this is very important to me right now like representation is actually the thing that I feel the most strong about right now because I've just realized how much it matters
1: I feel so like when you reached out and you were like I'm doing it I was like thank god someone else is doing it (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want to, like, just think about, A, the amount of work that goes into doing a podcast. I was like, good on you. It is hard work. And to know that you were, like, so devoted to the idea that you had already reached out to Ashley, you know, and that you had already, like, started setting up stuff. I was like, good on you, girl. Like, go and do it. And, you know, and, like, people always ask, like, oh, why did you, like, why did you set up the core or whatever? And I was like, well, because I wish somebody had been that voice for me. Or that person for me that told me, hey, like, I see you. Or, hey, like, you're not making shit up in your head. Like, you're experiencing some stuff. And I wanted to be that for somebody else. And you, like, with this podcast, are doing this for so many other people out there. And you're going to get so many people reaching out to you being like, holy shit, thank you. Thank you. You know? You know? Yeah. I mean, I have two sides about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like,
1: I'm totally underprepared and underqualified. What
0: do I do? Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: No,
0: a part of me is just like, hey, if it just reaches like ten people that needs to hear it, then I am like that's it. That's enough. Like I don't want
2: Oh I don't want
0: a big following. I don't want a big listening I don't want too many people even knowing who I am. That's a problem. That's a problem when you're doing something where it's like, Okay, this is you and you're putting it out there and I'm like, ah, First of all, I have so many issues about am I good enough? Uh, Is it gonna be good enough? Will I have enough time and energy to put on this? But also, it's like, I don't really want people to know who I am. Everyone criticizes everyone. (laughs) It's like, I'm not perfect and I'm not gonna be more perfect. I'm just gonna still try to say things and then I'm like, oh shit, I just said something really bad.
1: I've got, like, eight, first first of all, I mean, you've got another thing coming. This is going to take off. It's going to pop off. Um, B, <sighs> like, you <sighs> know, you're just like, <laughs> shh, what have I done? Um, you know, but it is going to take off in the best ways possible. And I think that it, like, I can't even tell you what that journey is going to look like, but you are going no. to be so encouraged and bolstered by people who, believe in the same things and who have always wanted to be represented and 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 like that that growth is going to come for you man like it's it's gonna it's gonna take you and roll with it and also like I think imposter syndrome is such a hard thing to deal with and I think we get it on several levels several levels you know and several layers as as women um as women of color you know, there's, it's so intersectional what that looks like. And I just want to you know affirm you and be like, dude, you're doing the right thing. And there are ways to separate your, you know, your personal life from, from what you're doing, you know, with this podcast, but also one perspective I want to offer is it wouldn't be what it is without some form of personal pain and personal input and personal labor. Like it wouldn't, it won't take off if you're being inauthentic and I don't think from this conversation that you are being inauthentic. And then that's why, then that's why I think it's going to succeed because it's like, it people want to hear vulnerability and people want to hear authenticity. And that's mm. so important. And that's just a, unfortunately, a, a, a big component of the work that we do in social justice. And you or you probably already know this and you're just like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. And that's just so valuable. It's really, really valuable. Yeah. it's just like what have I got myself into now
0: yeah I have this conversation with myself quite a lot actually yeah but like when you're working with Alpro is that uh is that financially like stable or
1: is it something that yeah it's so it is my main it is my main job it is the thing that pays the bills um I I do supplement my income with you know all the other stuff that I do with freelance But yeah, I think it it leaves me in a position where I'm able to say, okay, I can, I can spend my time and energy on some other things that will also benefit Alpro. Um, so for yeah. example, a lot of the, a lot of the connections that I I make through the core directive, I also redirect towards like maybe like doing a recording with Alpro or some sort of project with Alpro, or whatever. Um, but also the the plant based movement and like sustainability in general and eco sustainability is so important is such an important facet of feminism too because it's talking about how to you know lead a more equitable existence and 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 like a, a more ethical existence as well so um yeah I find that a lot of these aims with all of my different jobs kind of like dovetail into each other which i which is fantastic and works out for me so
2: yeah
0: so you don't stress about being a freelancer then because you have a stable income and you can do the freelance like as much as or as little as you want on the side
1: oh yeah like I still stress but it's the it's the it's not the stress of I won't have a roof over my head or like I'm struggling to pay the bills that's definitely not the case and I'm very I'm very lucky I'm very very privileged um so I do try my best to like redirect some of those opportunities that for example if I can't take on I'm like okay you know I can't do this but I know someone else that can Um, so I do try to support like my like my women friends I do try to Mm. support like my BIPOC friends um, who are maybe in need of a different gig or like in need of a project or some sort of connection Um, yeah I, I firmly believe that's the way forward that's awesome
0: Thank you for listening to part two of this conversation. You will find the third and last part already available for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pressure Profiles. I want to remind you that these are conversations between people with emotions, frustrations and personal experiences. That said, I welcome all criticism, but please make it somewhat constructive. Pressure Profiles is a project of passion and you are invited to be a part of it. If you want to have a conversation with me or someone else about the hospitality industry, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Pressure Profiles on Instagram. Thank you.